Drivers, you know, as we close out the week, there is a lot of news stories I want to bring you up to date on. And joining me on the program right now is Tim Ashoff. He is the president, CWO of Creed and Schaefer Trucking out there. And Tim, it's always great to get you back on the radio, sir. Good afternoon. Thank you. Great to be on again. Yes, sir. Good to chat with you. We're, we are going to cover a lot of ground here on the program today. There are so many different moving parts to a lot of these news stories out there, but I do want to set it up. Welcome you back to the program. It's good to chat with you again and a little background about what you do heading up Crete and Shaper. Talk to the folks. Sure. Well, I'm uh, president and CEO, as you mentioned here, and I guess uh, how I view my job is is uh, at a high level fairly simple. Uh, we're as a company, we need to ensure we have uh, great drivers and great equipment and match them up with uh, great customers with great freight. And so uh, I think if I keep that simple focus and, and focus on our people, um, that, that makes the day go by, and hopefully we accomplish that uh, goal. So You know, I'm, I'm quite sure that you follow a lot of the headlines that are going on out there, and we're gonna, really going to go into a lot of the detail about about what's going on out there in the trucking industry. Before we do that, I want to get your website out there, uh, social media, phone numbers how, on how drivers can reach you guys direct. Sure. The easiest ways you can reach all of our companies at CreekCarrier.com. We just uh, relaunched a new website here a couple weeks ago, so we got some good things out there. Certainly, we're out there on Facebook as well under Creek Carrier and Schaefer Trucking. And then uh, certainly, if you want to call in and, and talk with any of us, call 800 998 2221. All right. Some of the headlines, uh, Tim, this morning that I was reading, U.S. economy added a robust 223,000 jobs last month, according to the Labor Department. And these numbers look very, very impressive. The unemployment rate fell to 3.8%. That is the lowest level since April of 2000. What was expected for May uh, was nowhere close. I mean, the the economy is just blowing the doors off, if you will, with new jobs being added in so many different sectors of the economy. And one of the questions I was thinking about before, you know, I put I catch on the air here is that what is this going to do for the trucking industry? Is this going to make it tougher uh, to find people to be recruited to come into trucking with the unemployment rate at this low level? Is this going to make it a tough job? Well, I think it already has. Um, you know, as, as we know, there's uh, been a driver shortage out there for quite a while. And certainly with the economy being as robust as it is, as you mentioned, there's even more demand uh, for our trucking services, but at the same time, more demand for good quality uh, employees. And, you know, I, I this number didn't surprise me as I've been out traveling and talking to customers, um, a variety of different customers in a variety of different locations across the customer uh, country. And a common theme has been, you know, uh, we understand it's hard for you to find drivers. It's also hard for us to find, um, you know, factory workers, uh, warehouse workers, just, you know, work. The labor force in general has gotten tight. And so I think particularly for the trucking industry and, and a good thing overall for drivers is it is going to really continue to help have some wage improvement for our drivers. Um, you know, we've been working hard to improve uh, wages for drivers as they've lagged behind. You, you know all the numbers uh, over the last, you know, 20 years, how much driving forces lag behind to other industries. I think this is a good opportunity for us to close that gap and work with our, our shipping community to help them understand that and realize that uh, you know rates are going to have to increase in order to be able to, to help pay uh, drivers you know where they should be out there. Uh, it's interesting as well. I, I was reading that uh, you've done a lot of barnstorming. Uh, you've been out and about talking with a lot of drivers. Uh, you went to five Love's truck stops right here in Texas, West Memphis, Knoxville, also the Atlanta area. 
What are you hearing from drivers? What is at the top of the priority list? It's it's great to be able to get out and see things, you know, firsthand and talk with folks. What was some of the feedback that you got from drivers? It is. Well, first of all, just uh, before the feedback, what it always helps in getting out there, it just reminds me, and you know this because you talk uh, with a lot of drivers every day, is just overall the good, hardworking you know, nature uh, of all the driving force out there. The true Americans, uh, they wanna, they're out there to succeed. They're out there to make a living, to support their families. And, um, you know, uh, so often they're out there in their trucks and, and you're on the radio or I'm in, in the office and we don't get that firsthand right. feel for that. And so it was so great to get that. But, but you know, after that, it, you know, it, it really is a combination of, of things uh, that are still, I think, somewhat related right now to ELDs. Um, you know, drivers are getting used to the ELDs yet. I think most of them are, but now it's, you know, adjusted for a lot of them, their workday. And then again, we know it's been a problem before ELDs, but then how that then comes towards parking. And and the side effects on parking, I, it was it was kind of uh, remarkable at how much we did hear about parking challenges. Um, you know, we were again at we were at, we were at a number of truck stops and we're there early in the morning and, and later in the evenings. And so you know, we see how busy they are, particularly at those times where now more and more drivers are coming off the road uh, at the at the same time due to the ELDs. This uh, also brings up another very, very interesting point as well. That uh, when you went out and you talked talked to the drivers at the truck stops as well. I know you went to some of the terminals to hold driver meetings where there are similar sentiments uh, at the terminals as to some of the issues that need to be addressed. There were, and one of the things that I, it helps me realize too, uh, both talking with our drivers and drivers that uh, drive for other companies, even at the truck stops, is we often don't communicate well enough to the workforce is, is the whys out there. And, and I know your show is, is one of those that does. You try to get behind the reasons for whether it's policy changes uh, federally or why companies do things or how things impact drivers. But you know, our driver meetings, um, you know, talking to them and having them understand why something is happening, um, I think is so very important, and, and that helps us make us uh, all be on the same team. You know, one example I'd give you um, is we're we're here shortly rolling out a per diem pay program uh, for our drivers, and we haven't had per diem pay. We always felt that when a driver used to be able to deduct per diem on their personal um, income tax return, uh, it was uh, you know a better benefit for them to do that and then to get the full amount of pay from us as a company for Social Security loans and 401k purposes and others to have that. Well, when the tax law changed in December and that, that personal per diem deduction went away for drivers, um, that made a big change in that. And so the per diem now will be um, actually something that would be generally beneficial to most drivers. And so as I'm talking about out the per diem program, I mean, there are a lot of drivers, you know, I realized understand, didn't understand why we would do that. And uh, so that was a good example to me on how important it is not just to, you know, keep drivers in tune to what we're doing, mm-hmm. but the why of what we're doing. You know, and some of the whys of what's coming up next week, uh, Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance has got their international road check going on, and this is going to be starting uh, very, very soon, as a matter of fact. And uh, this is where inspectors are going to be fanning out all across the United States, and they're going to be doing roadside inspections, educational opportunities will be there for the drivers as well. And uh, what are you guys doing at Crete Schaefer uh, to get your drivers ready for the roadsides coming up? 
Well, we, we certainly are communicating to them that it's happening and what to expect as far as uh, the inspections. And, you know, they, they always, the CVSA usually gives us the areas that they're going to be focusing on. But for us, it's just more of reminding them to do what you're doing every day. Um, you know, we as a company are certainly focused on safety. Our, our, good, our drivers are good quality drivers that are doing the same. It's more of just having things in order and making sure that the little things um, that can grab somebody's attention um, are also taken care of because sometimes it's those little things that matter. I mean, make sure you're wearing your seatbelt. Uh, very important things out there. Make sure you've got your, your documentation, paperwork from your load just in order. Make sure you yourself, I mean, appearance does make a difference. I was at one of the driver meetings last mm-hmm. week and had a driver, I was, you know, commented, I appreciated, uh, you know, his appearance. And he said, you know what? This appearance has saved me many inspections at a scale, I truly believe. As I pull up and I, I walk out, I'm professional, sure. and then I start talking to the officers, uh, it makes a difference. So it's sometimes just even the little things that uh, we need to remind people of that make a big difference. This uh, is, I think, a very interesting time, you know, from the standpoint that the CBSA's uh, launch is coming up next week, and we hear often about what's going on out there on the road and how drivers and companies are getting ready for this. Uh, but there's another side to that story in the fact that the uh, back office staff needs to get ready for this as well. How do you prep the back office staff to understand CBSA and what they need to do in order to help uh, any driver's challenges that may come up while this is going on? Sure. Well, we certainly communicate with them the same way we do with the driver as to the timing of it and what the focus will be. And certainly, you know, this year with one of the focus being the electronic logging devices, uh, we know that uh, for some of these, uh, potentially for some of these uh, officers out there, this will be the first time they've truly requested, you know, a large amount of the information that they can request under the ELD regulations from the driver. And some of that means, you know, being able to provide um, the logs to them electronically, sometimes Sometimes that's via, you know, if you're running on the old AOBRD systems, that's one method. Um, and then if you're on the new ELD system, that's another that, you know, is obviously supposed to be automated, it's supposed to work, but sometimes those things don't, or sometimes, you know, the right button isn't pushed or otherwise, and then it takes our back office to support that driver, work with the officer on scene to be able to provide the right answers and, and then, you know, keep them moving through that inspection, and ultimately the driver wants to get back out on the road moving. So, yes, educating them to what the inspections are focusing on and then how we can we can ensure that we support our drivers are going through one of those inspections should they need information, should there, um, uh, you know, should there be a violation found that maybe a maintenance issue, for example, how can we get that rectified quickly and, you know, have the driver moving again? All right, drivers, say if you want to jump in, chat with Tim Ashoff. He is the president CWO of Crete and Schaefer. Man, bring the questions on. How do you feel about the road check coming up right around the corner? That is going to be a very big thing, ladies and gentlemen. Do you think that those kind of inspection programs are beneficial uh, do you think that they really do help make the industry safer? If you want to talk to Tim about that, we're going to go, going to get into more of the personal conveyance conversation as well. And what does that mean for, you know, companies like Crete? So what are they doing to address that? How is that going to be a benefit to their drivers? The phone number is 888-876-2336. And Tim, again, thanks for doing this. Uh, I was listening a little bit yesterday to uh, the FMCSA news conference uh, concerning what was going on with the personal conveyance, and I'll get into detail on that in just a minute. But one of the most interesting remarks uh, from Joe DeLorenzo, uh, who is uh, the head of enforcement for the FMCSA, is that he was indicating 
that uh, since April 1st, uh, there has only been something like 1% uh, of, the, uh, of the drivers put out of service. Uh, most of the industry, in other words, is now is now complying with the electronic logging device situation. So uh, those numbers sound very impressive. Are you hearing similar numbers as well that the majority of the industry is indeed has signed off on ELTs? You know, I, I am, and I was somewhat skeptical uh, of that. But I, I can tell you that was another benefit of getting out there, you know, out on the road, out on the, in the truck stops and talking to the drivers because that was one thing I would talk to many drivers about. Hey, did you have ELTs before April 1st? And, and or before December, and and how did you adjust, and are you doing that? And you know, it, I was very impressed, quite honestly, about the drivers that had converted to, to ELDs. But what I was probably a little bit more surprised about is how many really changed their operations. I met so many, particularly in those metropolitan areas, Dallas, of course, one of those, where you're at, where they changed their operation now, where they just don't go with you know more than 150 miles outside of Dallas. And so then they, they may not have ELDs, but they're then still compliant. So I think it was a combination of, of both more people adapted the ELD um, devices more timely than, than maybe some had suspected or, you know, ultimately said they weren't going to. And others, uh, you know, adapted their operation to where they were exempted out of the rule and, and were able to still, you know, obviously make a living at doing it. This uh, also, I think, is worth noting that uh, you guys have been on ELDs for how many years now? We've had ELDs for over seven years. Okay. Okay, and the numbers really speak for themselves, right? I mean, as far as safety and efficiency are concerned, it's really worth the investment, in other words. It, it really is. Now, there is a transition period, and I think that's what many many people are going through out there. When we when we had converted, you know, we needed to make sure that um, the way we schedule our loads, the way we schedule our drivers, that we were able to match, you know, the exact right loads for that available hours uh, for that driver. So, you know, they could use that clock just as wisely and as efficiently uh, as they had in the past. And it really turned our focus, um, which I think has been good for our drivers overall, that we had the mantra that, you know, Every day, our driver has 660 minutes to drive. Uh, how do we ensure we make it as best possible as a company to support that driver in, in driving all of those 660 minutes? So it turned our focus on saying, you know, a lot of those challenges that drivers had to solve themselves at the paper logbook, we solve now for them, uh, hopefully before the load or during a load. So um, it, it, there was a transition period, but I think in the end, particularly as I talked to our drivers, first of all, you know, they'd love not not having to deal with paper anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and second, they like that the problem isn't on their shoulders to fix all by themselves, you know, out there um, at a shipper or receiver that, that we're here and we're, we're proactively doing that for them. I've got to imagine as well that uh, with the capacity situation, the way it is that uh, many of the shippers want to become shippers of choice. And, and, and as that really made a difference out there, more of a cooperative effort uh, with the shipping industry that they want to be on board. They understand what the uh, trucking industry is going through right now. Uh, has the tide changed, in other words? I think it's I think it's turning. I don't think we're there yet. Um, okay. I, I was out visiting customers earlier this week, and you know, for years we've been talking to customers about you know how can we be the most efficient in, in using a driver's time. I mean, we we don't want to have drivers detained at shipper receiving. We don't want long lines for for you know drivers.
pipes to get into your facilities. And certainly we have been tracking that uh, for many years and working with our shippers on doing that. Some we didn't, wouldn't get as much traction, you know, sort of, well, that's the way our system works and that's yeah. what you have to deal with. I can tell you um, earlier this week in meeting with a, a very large company um, with some of their top um, supply chain logistics uh, people in the room, um, they were truly interested in saying, how can we solve at this facility, you know, it takes your drivers, you know, on average 52 minutes to check in. How can we get that down to 15? You know, right. there, there were real discussions about that because I, I think they know uh, in this environment, um, one way to gain capacity is to use the capacity we have better. And so eliminate waste of time. And then second, they you know a lot of people have talked about for years about being the shipper of choice. Mm-hmm. Now they're really talking about okay, what do I have to do to be that shipper of choice, not just to talk about it. So I think it's, we're seeing positive things out there. All right, but does it also mean maybe having two shipped strategic assets to different parts of the United States in order to meet some of those capacity constraints? So what are you guys doing as as far as that's concerned? Well, we we uh, we work closely with our customers on um, you know where and when right now, particularly with capacity is being so tight. Can can we ensure we can match up our available capacity with their needs? Because we are our, our business philosophy has always been you know go out and attract some great long-term customers that have great business and keep them. And that means when, you know, capacity is tight or when loads are tight because we need each other uh, at different times. And, the, sure. and it will cycle again. We're in a good cycle right now uh, for, for carriers and, and drivers. But, you know, the economy will change. The shipping uh, community will adapt. And there will be days when, when there will be a day again where we need a lot more loads. So we want to work and balance that. And the way we do that is through just great communication with our customers, um, knowing what their trends are, knowing, you know, for example, we're going to be coming into the 4th of July. You know, we, we pretty much, we've been through a lot of 4th of Julys, so we, we kind of know sure. where capacity is needed throughout the country. So how do we start working this week uh, to kind of arrange that to have our, our freight flowing to the right places? It's good for our customers, but ultimately then it's good for our drivers because they know they'll be staying as busy as possible. In your own personal opinion, do you think rates are going to stay high going into next year? Or maybe the year beyond that, uh, I would imagine what goes up must come down at some point. Uh, law of physics and, I guess, economics. What's your personal thoughts? You know, I think I think we're in for, um, at least I think in my opinion, 18 more months uh, of this. I don't see anything right now that's okay. going to change that in the near term. But what I also do think is is we are at a little bit of a structural rate change in that, yes, if things go up, uh, they must come down. But with with what we talked about at more of the beginning of this conversation with the structural change and what we need to do with driver pay out there, um, rate's not going to be able to come down maybe as low as in some other uh, periods in, in the past because um, ultimately we're still going to need the drivers. And um, we need that pay to stay at that uh, that rate in order to, to keep the drivers in the industry, even as maybe um, the, the economy goes down some, there's still a great need for a lot of drivers, and certainly we have a lot that will be at retirement age over the next couple of years. So I, I think we'll see them level off. Um, they may they may come down some, but I, I don't see them maybe dipping as much as they have in years past. I, I certainly may be wrong on that. I don't I don't proclaim to have that crystal ball, but that's right. just my personal feeling. Right, let's go to Sean in Ontario. Going to be first up. Uh, with Tim Ashoff. Tim, uh, Sean, hello there. Welcome. You're on with Tim. Go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. I'd like to know if you have any intentions of uh, expanding into Canada and uh, setting up terminals, or do you do much business in Canada at this point? 
You know, good question. We we get asked that a lot by our customers. So we used to go in and out of Canada, um, and then you know after uh, 9/11 and some of the cross-border requirements that came into place, we set ourselves up structurally for that. But had enough business within the 48 states that we just focused on that. Now, as as the markets changed and as our customers have changed, um, we're working with them, and we'll say, you know, if there's a a cross-border um, business that makes sense that we may do on a dedicated basis or certainly on a on a real steady continuous basis that's where we talk to customers about that and something we would look at okay so when you have customers that need to ship into canada are you airlining or are you brokering the loads out or how are you handling that at this point at, at this point, we we just don't take the loads um, unless, as I mentioned, we could we could work it out to where we could set it up in, in an arrangement, as I mentioned before, where we could you know, dedicate a, a loop, loop some drivers, or do some other things. Uh, but right now, um, we we're not accepting loads going to Canada from our customers. All right, Sean, thank you, man, for the phone call. You know, it uh, yesterday I was uh, in Laredo. Uh, Tim and I was uh, talking to folks about the cross-border situation, the moving of freight back and forth. And uh, some of the numbers from NAFTA are staggering when you look at the amount of freight that's coming over from Mexico, for example, and you think about what is being produced in Mexico, like uh, at, like uh, like automobile parts, truck parts, uh, the aerospace industry, very big uh, as far as uh, NAFTA is concerned and moving these uh, items, of course, takes a lot of trucks to do that. Uh, would this be something maybe in the planning stages a little bit later on that uh, maybe in 2020 or maybe beyond? might be too soon to maybe, th- maybe even think about this, but if the numbers at NAFTA continue to get bigger, would you consider maybe looking at, say, moving freight in and out of Mexico as an option instead of Canada? Yes. I mean, we're always looking at uh, the business environment and business opportunities out there. Certainly what we always, uh, again, view is, is, is this, can we match up great business with great drivers? And so uh, is that a piece of business that would work well for our driving forces? So that that's our, our first thing. But um, we do right now um, do business uh, for our customers that goes in and out of Mexico. We're, we run a, uh, an operation a little different than some, though, where we, we get it to the border and then a different carrier uh, um, shuttles it down for our, our customers and then certainly brings it back. So we're involved with, with Mexico business in that way mm-hmm. uh, and certainly have a lot of demand from our customers as well. So, yeah, we'll continue to watch that. I think, you know, Canada and Mexico are always going to be very important trade partners of ours. And certainly as our economy grows, that creates demand. And it's not only the demand for products you know made right here in the U.S., but from certainly a couple of our biggest trade partners in Canada and Mexico. So, yeah, that's something we will continue to watch. All right, I've got a break for a few minutes, uh, going to update what's going on with weather, news, and all that. And uh, drivers, love to get you on if you want to talk with Tim Ashoff, the president, CWO Crete Schaefer. The phone number to call in, it's 888-876-2336. One of the, one of the other big stories, guys, is the uh, news coming out of the FMCSA. They have issued, of course, as you know, new regulatory guidance to clarify the agency's personal conveyance regulations. Um, uh, we'll also talk about the applicability of the agriculture cultural commodity 150 air miles uh, hours of service exemption what does this mean for drivers in other words i want to get tim's thoughts on that when we come back first so let me update what's going on with the weather let's do that this second right here on sirius xm drivers hey, we are spending the hour with tim ashoff the president cwo of crete shaper and tim it's always good to chat with you eugene malero on just a few minutes ago from ttnews.com talking about uh, when the senate comes back and they are going to be taking up 
this uh, meal and rest break provision. This is a key trucking provision that has been tucked into the aviation reauthorization bill in the Senate and bills that would keep the Department of Transportation funded through fiscal 2019 and the Senate's FAA policy measure, which would reauthorize the country's aviation system, would also ensure the nationwide uniformity on the meal and rest break rules for the drivers. This is a very controversial item that uh, many drivers are saying that uh, it's going to upset the amount of pay that some guys get. Some are saying that it's needed for the trucking industry across a uniform basis across all states. What are your thoughts on this? This has been very much debated for many, many years. But as Eugene mentioned, it just cannot seem to gain enough footing to wind up for a signature on the president's desk. What are your thoughts? is needed, um, particularly as we work with with drivers that uh, we're, we're an over-the-road trucking company. Um, you know, most of the business we do is from state to state to state. And, um, you know, if we have drivers that are considered uh, employees of a certain state, I know California and Washington were mentioned, um, and subject to those laws, that if they're on a load that's going from, you know, Ohio to California and you're crossing, you know, Indiana and Illinois and through, through Nebraska here and then ultimately out to um, California, you know, the driver wants to know how am I going to get paid along the whole trip, not if, well, in, in Ohio I'm going to get paid this way, in Illinois this way, in Nebraska that way, and then ultimately, you know, California another way. Um, it, it doesn't give them surety. It, 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 you know, they're usually they're used to following their schedule based on the federal hours of service rules, so if there's different um, rest break periods that are required or, or otherwise have to uh, provide back to your company, you don't want to take them or you do want to take them. It, it just is a real challenge out there. And, and as we've talked to drivers about it, um, you know, they want to know and understand what they're going to get paid for the job they're doing. And we as a company, we certainly want to be compliant with uh, all the laws that we're required to, but it becomes very difficult in a situation like that. Does it uh, get down to the definition of, say, maybe an, an employee of a company versus, say, a contractor or an owner-operator, can it really get down to the fine point with that, the definition of the labor force? It does somewhat. I think it's as much as right now is, a, is a what state are you considered an employee of? Are you considered a you know Nebraska employee versus a Colorado employee versus a you know Oklahoma employee in some ways? And then you know we would have to determine that and then determine and you know okay so if they're in Oklahoma and they're an Oklahoma employee, I have to pay them this way. But if they're in Nebraska and they're an Oklahoma employee, how do I pay them? And so it, it does become a, a real challenge, and it becomes confusing for everyone involved. Yeah. The, uh, one of the other big stories I know you're following as well concerns the regulatory guidance concerning the personal conveyance. FMCSA yesterday issuing some new regulatory guidance to clarify what's going on with the personal conveyance regulation. Uh, what does this mean for drivers? And one of the questions I've got right out of the gate, uh, when the definition came down as this being guidance, that sounds like it can go into effect immediately that there's really not going to be any waiting period for this to be enforced or kicked into gear, right? That's correct, yeah. I think as soon as it was published, it it's became uh, enforceable because it is guidance. It's not the regulation itself. It's how they interpret the regulation. Uh, but certainly that that uh, has heavy weight with the enforcement officers out there and, and, so, uh, and, and with us and how we uh, coach our drivers to be compliant should they get inspected. So, yeah, it was, it was uh, I, I think, very positive news. And I think, you know, this is a positive, I'll call it, side effect of the uh, electronic logging devices because the 
FMCA SA made note right in the guidance, uh, at least in the background to the guidance, that some of the reason they were able to provide this flexibility is because they had confidence now that all driving time is being recorded on an electronic logging device. Is it up to the discretion of the company as to when a driver may use that personal conveyance, or can the driver just initiate that on, on their own to enforce that? It is up to the discretion of the company, and the, and the FMCSA has made that clear in the guidance that, that companies still can impose further restrictions than what the guidance says on, on how they allow their drivers uh, to use this. I think it's also, as it notes in there, that it's um, also up to the discretion of the driver, as if they want to use this as this is a may, you may do this, you won't be required to do this. So I think it's uh, both companies and drivers working together on you know, what's the right thing to do in, in the circumstances that they're in. You, may, you are, of course, are an attorney and uh, very much understand the legal language that is involved and, uh, and be our guide on this. When I'm reading personal conveyances being off-duty time, to me, there's going to be a million different scenarios for that. Uh, am I correct? How do you interpret that, in other words? There are, and I think you know. I think what the what the FMCSA has tried to do in the guidance is lay out some of the the common scenarios that this will come into play. And I think you know they did make clear. Look, we can't we can't lay out every single uh, scenario, but these are these are where it's obvious that it is, and this is where it's obvious where it's not. But you know, I, I think the core of this, as I would say, is that uh, drivers got to understand uh, why are they doing what they're doing. So if I if I'm um, at a receiver and, and I, I get unloaded, um, and I'm and maybe I reload right there, but I run out of hours. Okay, so um, what do I do? Well, what, what's my what's my task? I'm doing is your task really? Hey, I need to go find a place to park right. and be able to sleep for the night and get my rest period required, or you know, do I need to get this load down the road so I want to go down the road a ways? Well, certainly it's under the under the guidelines. It's, it's certainly. Um, okay to go find a, a safe place to rest within a reasonable distance is kind of how they, they said it. It's got to be that first available, reasonable, safe place to rest. Um, if I'm really just wanting to go down the road to, to maybe get a few more miles today and and uh, get an, uh, an on-time delivery on this load, then no, that doesn't count. So um, again, it's there's going to be a ton of scenarios. It's going to come down a little bit to the why you're doing it. And then I think the, the, the challenge with that then becomes, well, what's enforcement going to use mm-hmm. to, to determine that? why and I know even in some of the comments that were made is, is how do you do that but you know in many ways it's pretty easy for enforcement to see with the electronic logs hey what was your day like where were you at is it were you using this in those that situation where you were at a receiver and you ran out of hours because then it's pretty obvious if you're going to that next uh, safe place to park and you stopped right there that's that's for your your convenience to get to a safe place to get your rest break um, if you're using it at different times, um, and, and really what the only thing that I can show is that you further advanced your load down the road and don't have any other real reason that you used it, um, then then I think there'll be a lot more questioning of the driver at an inspection. All right, I'm going to break one more time, Tim. Tim Ashoff, driver, is from Crete Schaefer on the phone. He's the president, CWO, and we're talking news headlines. If you got a comment, observation, man, if you agree or disagree, you're more than welcome to get on board and talk with him. We talk personal conveyance. Uh, the meal and rest break that's coming up very soon in dc for discussion how do you feel about that as well man it's all open for you let me update what's going on with the weather let's do that this second serious xm
Road Dog Trucking News, Traffic and Weather. Drivers, hey, it's going to be a very problematic weekend for the areas around St. Louis, Indianapolis, Nashville, Memphis, showers, thunderstorms, damaging winds. Talking about hail, travel disruption, I-70, 55, Interstate 40. That's going to be one of the hot spots. Coming up for tomorrow, coming up tonight, Interstate 29, 94, Interstate 90, 80. That's going to be a big problem area. Damaging winds, tornadoes, flooding downpours in the cities of Winnipeg, Bismarck, Rapid City, and also Omaha. So stay ahead of the weather, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of it posted up on social media. You'll find it up on my Facebook site. It's all news all the time. Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking News. I'm going to break for a few minutes, and I promise I'm coming back on the other side with Tim Ashoff with Creed Schaefer next right here on Sirius XM 146. Drivers, just a few minutes left with Mr. Tim Ashoff, the president and CWO of Crete, uh, and Schaefer talking about everything going on in the world of trucking. And we covered a lot of ground uh, from the standpoint of the unemployment numbers, job creation numbers are extremely high. The economy adding 223,000 jobs last month. We talked a little bit about what that's going to mean for the trucking industry. Will the industry maybe find a little more difficulty finding drivers to come on board in the fact that many folks are getting local jobs? Uh, Tim also talked about you know, the fact that he went to uh, several different truck stops and went to some of the terminals to hold driver meetings out there. It's always great to get feedback. Uh, from those that are out there on the road, we also talked a little bit about what's coming up with road check. That's coming up around the corner. And uh, also the uh, everything that's going on with the personal conveyance, the legislative and regulatory side of it. Uh, we talked about the meal and rest break rules. And, Tim, we covered a lot of ground. I got to imagine that some of this keeps you up at night. Am I correct? <laughs> it certainly does. I mean, uh, this is uh, one of those fun businesses to be in, where you, sure. you know you never know uh, what the next. Uh, you know, sometimes it used to be you never know what the next day is going to bring. Well, in this one, you never know what the next minute's going to bring. But sure. you know, as I mentioned earlier, the great thing about this business is, is there's so many great people in our industry, Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. having been out there and and got to talk with many of them face to face, get to know them, get to know the why that they're out there, why they're doing what they're doing, and to learn their stories. Uh, I know you get the benefit of, of talking to those drivers every day on your show um it's just there are a lot of things that keep you up at night but there's also a lot of very satisfying things in this business as well all right what's coming up for crete schaefer what's on the drawing board for the rest of this year what are some of the things that you guys are going to be doing uh and looking ahead to 2019 what are going to be some of the top priorities for you well, our, our top priorities right now are, are two things, uh, growth uh, with our customers and growth with our drivers. And certainly, um, we think those are things that go hand in hand because we know to grow our driving force, um, we need to have a, a good good quality position for them and an environment that shows we care about them as part of the Creech Schaefer family. And so, um, you know, and, and then for our customers, you know, to have more drivers. So right now we've, we're working on both those things very hard. And, and as I mentioned, there's a lot of things we can continue to do to improve, with it, particularly on making uh, our freight uh, the best freight out there for the drivers, that freight that's uh, a lot of drop and hook, um, a lot of things that doesn't have a lot of wait time on it and otherwise. And so we're really focused on that. And and uh, certainly, hopefully, that uh, brings in uh, more good quality drivers for us to match those two up. It's going to be a great time going forward, uh, no doubt. So buckle up. Let's talk more about this as we go forward. A lot of stuff in the news. Tim, thank you, sir. I do want to get your website, social media, and uh, even 
the old-fashioned ways uh, to how drivers can find you. What, what's the best number for you? Sure. Uh, well, certainly go out there and find us at creekcarrier.com. Go out there on uh, Facebook and look at Creek Carrier and Schaefer Trucking, and then we'd be happy to talk with you at uh, 800-998-2221, or certainly if you're in uh, the area of any one of our facilities across the country, stop in and see us. Uh, I'd love to see you. I'd love to talk with you and uh, learn learn why you're, why you're out there on the road every day. All right. Very good. Thank you, Tim. Let's do this again, and I really appreciate you joining me on the program. Drivers, again, that is Tim Ashoff, the president CWO Creed Schaefer.